So good morning, everyone. I'm Carrie Little, Smart Girl Media Marketing or smartgirlmedia.com. That is my education blog. I am also the designated managing broker of Caremark Realty Group. And in Illinois, designated managing broker means I'm responsible for all of the agents in my office, literally. If they mess up, guess who gets the call? Guess who might also get the fine? Me, I'm the one that's responsible. So in Illinois, we do things a little bit differently. In other states, it might be the broker of record. So we have four managing brokers at our office, four, but I'm the one that's designated to manage all of the real estate agents. So let's get started. So I said I talk about negotiating and it's what's interesting is I had um, an agent reach out to me last night about a scenario, multiple offers. I've had, um, I'm, I have agents that are like, Carrie, I keep losing the deal. Or uh, why does it take so long for banks to respond when you write an offer on a, um, a bank owned home? Right. So I'm gonna give you some, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some tips or I'm gonna give you some statements. And then we're gonna, I'll give you some scenarios now, some of you are, are in different states, so I do speak Illinois, but I will say all of you, no matter what, no matter what, you need to get out your contracts and read them, get out a highlighter, and if your local association actually um, has a contract class, or if your state association has a contract class, if your brokerage has a contract class, please, please, please take the contract class because all of our contracts are different. Even in Illinois, we have, we all use this thing called the 7.0 contract, but I also know that Chicago has another contract. I also know that downstate there's another contract. So please read your contracts. All right, so negotiations. <clears throat> so here's some things to think about and in no specific order. I wrote this after I ran into the office using my new journal, the new real estate agents journal. And I am on, I'm in section, I don't even know what section I'm in. I mean, I think it's like the fifth, page 140, where the, I'm in running your business like a business. So I wrote down negotiating so I can always come back to this if I ever have to have another conversation. And I am, um, I blog about this now. So new blog coming from last week's. So number one, cash is king. Unless, I want you to think about that. Um, number two, when you're negotiating, you need to know market data. I know a lot of us are great at the hustle. Let me tell you, when I started in 2001, I was great at the hustle. I knew how to talk to my friends and I'm, I'm an extrovert by nature. I will talk and if I don't know it, I'll go figure out how to figure it out. Some of us are afraid to explain data. So my challenge for you is, and maybe that'll be the next q and I'll, I'll talk to you guys about um, how to explain real estate data. And we'll talk about it. So my challenge for you is, is you have to know market data. And my tip for you would be is go figure out one data point that you can explain for the next 30 days and then add a new one. That'll be it, 12 data points. So in one year, how to be an expert in market data. That, that I need to write that down. How? to be an expert at explaining data in, I could say in 30 days, but I'm gonna go with 12 months because I know for me, I hated math in high school. I didn't take math in college. Like I got had statistics, 
and then they have Microsoft Excel. So I get it. I, it took me a while to figure out the data, but I'm telling you, back in the 80s when I was in high school, if they had Microsoft Excel, I would have been an A student. So number one, cash is king, unless. Number two, you need to know market data. Number three, you need to know the comparables for the house you're writing an offer on. And if you're the listing agent, you need to know the comps. So we'll come back to that one. Number four, you need to know the realtor on the other end of the deal. And when I say no, there's a few ways that we can know that realtor. Thank you for the hearts. And by the way, for those of you that are listening to the podcast or for those of you that are watching the replay or for those of you that are watching live, invite a friend, click the share button. And if you have questions, there is a question button at the bottom. You can send your questions there. So thanks for joining. Good morning. I think this is, is it, uh, see, you guys have creative names. Like I can see Victoria. See, I'm, yeah, you guys are killing me. All right, number five. Oh, so know the agent. When I say know the agent, I mean, you might literally know the agent on the other end of the deal, but you might need to put together a data set to see if this agent sells real estate, if this agent is on a team, or if this agent even knows how to negotiate based on their history. So you need to know the agent. And if you're using HomeSnap, you can see if you're connected to that agent with another agent in your office. And hey, you can make a phone call and I can call Derenika in my office and say, hey, Derenika, I see you closed a deal with this person, Kenya. Can you tell me how she works? And then Derenika can say, okay, whew, Kenya was great to work with. She was organized. Um, she's very, she knows her numbers, Carrie. So you need to make sure that you know uh, the agent on the other end of the, end, end of the deal. So when outside was open and we're all in different states, right? We went to women's council events. We went to the National Association of Hispanic Realtor events. We went to um, NAREB events, the Realtors, the African-American Association events. We went to our local association, the state association, the national association. We went to the lender events. We went to all these events. And a lot of times when I... So when I worked for a big brokerage, one of my managing brokerage uh, brokers said, you do not need to go to all that stuff. And I'm like, why? Because they know that once you start to know what you don't know, you could end up at another company. Look, I want all of my agents to go meet agents all over Illinois. I want them to get out of the state and meet agents in Idaho, in Louisiana. Maybe we'll go, we'll go a little warmer, maybe California, New York. Because when you know other agents, you actually have leverage. I have won deals because the agent knew me. So it helps in negotiations. So yeah, and you get referrals. So anyway, um, number five, you need to get your clients fully approved. I don't mean pre-approval, they turn in all the paperwork. I mean everything went through the underwriter. All, everything went, all of the paperwork went through the underwriter and the underwriter gave a conditional approval, meaning you might need an FHA um, inspection, you might need the appraisal, and you just need the house. So when you are fully approved, you are more likely to win the offer. You need to know this if you have FHA clients. I'm a first time home buyer, likely to work with someone FHA. So you need to know that. Number six, look, this is just straight up. Don't show houses unless you have a pre-approval. I'm okay with the pre-qualification. So I'm in, in my own little mastermind group and, and so this is crazy to me. An agent calls the other agent on Friday and says, you, I know you have multiple offers, but can you wait before you present all the offers to the seller? Because I can't get the pre-approval until Monday. 
what? You just lost the deal. I would, if I, if I was, if I did not do the business of the business and I did not get the pre-approval, you know, it's your cousin, it's your sister, it's your parents, and you didn't get the pre-approval and you're out showing houses in the first house they see they wanted, I'm writing the offer. And if my lender isn't available, I'm calling a whole new lender. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to figure out how to get that deal done. But that number six is a no. So here, let me read them again. And then I got some, a few more points because I want to get into details. So again, thank you for the hearts. Please share with a friend. And if you're watching the replay, say replay. And if you have questions, listen, I, I know a lot. And if I don't know, I'll tell you. So number one, cash is king, unless. Number two, you have to know market data. Number three, you need to know the comps for the property you're writing an offer on or if you're the listing agent. Number four, you need to know the agent on the other end of the deal. Number five, get fully approved. Get your clients fully approved through underwriting. We have a conditional approval. And if your loan officer doesn't do that, it's time to have coffee. Coffee with a loan officer. Number six, don't show homes if you don't have an approval. Come on, know your worth. You're showing, it's like window shopping at Nordstrom, right? It's like window shopping at Ross or Walmart. You don't have any money. What are we doing? Now, there are times when I'll hit Ross when I don't want to spend any money. That's, that's a really different conversation. <laughs> that's carry therapy. Therapy. All right. So let me go into detail with these, and then I'll talk about multiple offers, writing offers sight unseen, telling your clients to shut up. I should say don't talk. I really want to say la boca, but I just stop talking. No hablando. Stop talking. And there's a reason why. And then um, if your offer is first, it doesn't mean it's your deal. Right. And then what is variable compensation? So here we go. Cash is king. Now, cash is definitely king when you're writing offers on bank approved homes if you're going to live in it if you're gonna live in it. Because if you write an, and now, and let me say, this is different for all properties. Like we could talk for hours on negotiations and data. But if you write an offer on HUD, and all of you should go, go to the HUD website and read, go sign up for somebody's class and go read. And then once you go and read about HUD or Fannie and Freddie, and Ayana, Fannie and Freddie is Home Path and Home Steps. If you write offers on their deals, if the property is owner occupied first, cash is not king unless you're gonna live in it. And you cannot lie. And if your clients say, well, I'm just gonna buy it and say I'm living there. Nope, mm -mm. you now know, you gotta disclose. You tell your clients, I can't, I mean, it's hard because you want the money. If this is where you have a really good conversation. Look, if you really want the deal and you wanna be an investor, if you don't own a house, live in the house for two years. And now every state has different rules, but you need, you gotta move in. And then you can't just move right out, straight up. Now cash is king if you're writing an offer on a property with any of the banks, a bank owned home, and it's not going to be, and it's not owner occupied, or it's not habitable. Habitable? Yeah. You can't just move right in because it probably won't pass FHA. So um, cash is cash is gonna win. Now, now all and here's a whole nother conversation with cash. A hard money loan is not cash. 
seriously. A hard money loan is not cash. It is a hard money keyword. L-O-N, L-O-A-N, loan. Hard money loan is a loan. The bank still has to do an appraisal. So if you're writing offers with hard money loans, you really need to know my number uh, four. You really need to know the agent on the other end of the deal because that agent needs to know that this might take a minute. And then if you're writing an offer on a uh, property with a hard money loan, you need to know the market data because you need to know what the house can sell for once it's repaired. Like we could go on for hours just about cash. And a lot of times wholesale, there are people in wholesale groups. I literally right over there, you guys, I have a mess. I like ran in here, but right over there. And then right behind me is my, um, my big monitor. So I have my, my TV monitor. I literally Apple TV screen shared and I went over the market because I had my husband scheduled me. Who does that? My husband scheduled me to meet with a client that wants to flip houses. They want to wholesale came in here. I'm like, don't do that again. I need to talk to the person on the phone. Person came in, talked to me, wants to do wholesale. And now in Illinois, as of last year, you can only do one a year if you're not licensed. So or you have to work with a realtor. So I say this, somebody, I keep thinking someone's coming in. So I say this because when we talk about um, wholesale or hard money loans, it's still a loan. And when she, the, the, this person that came in said, oh, I have cash. I said, oh, you have money in your own bank account. Well, no, I'm a member of a group. You're a member of what group and who's gonna give you the cash? Well, it's, they're gonna give it to me once I find the house. So it's, you have a loan. Sometimes as agents, we need to qualify. Cash is cash. It's in the bank and you can say, I need proof of funds before I submit the offer. And if your clients can't give you proof of funds, it's not cash. So I digress. Cash is king if you're buying a house that is where it's probably not going to be habitable. Now, there are times when you pass the deadline for owner occupant with Fannie, Freddie, Home Steps, Home Path, or even HUD or the other banks. And now it's up for grabs because everyone that wanted to own or occupy didn't come up to the price that the bank wanted. Now the bank will pick to negotiate with someone. And if that buyer doesn't come up, now we're moving on and we're dealing with cash. The banks know how much money they want to make. Okay. So if you're an investor out there and you want to chat, call me and I'll have you talk to my husband. Know the market data. You really need to know the market because if you want to win the negotiations, you need to know if you're in a buyer's market or a seller's market. If you don't know that and you keep writing offers at 80% of ask. So if the property is listed at 100,000, come on y'all, y'all, let, let me clean that up, come on. You have a buyer that says, well, I don't want to spend full price. Don't sellers negotiate? They do, but didn't you see the line of other agents showing the house? Do you want the house or not? We're writing it. We're, now, sometimes our sellers say, tell me what to do. I will tell my sellers what to do, but it's something like this. I'm gonna coach you through the process. I'm gonna give you a bunch of suggestions. I'm gonna watch your face and then I'm gonna know what you need to do. I can discern what the seller needs to do, but I won't just directly tell them I need to have a conversation because you don't wanna be responsible for what happens uh, next, right? So um, yeah, I digress. So you need to know market data. So if you're writing an offer at 80,000 because the buyer said, well, I'm going to come in low. I'm going to say, I'm going to write the offer. I'm going to do what you asked because you're not hearing me. I showed you the market data and now you can't buy the house. You lost. And now you, well, why did I lose? I told you, you can't win this way. 
And I'll talk about multiple offers in a second. So you need to know what's happening in the marketplace. And when I, and I already told you, know the agent. You need to know the agent on the other end of the deal. Go to your MLSs, create a one-line summary. If you're an agent in, you don't like the data. I, you, we, you know, Kenya, come on, we can chat. Um, if you don't understand how to use your MLS, show up for class. If you're an agent in my office and you have not taken the custom reports with me, we need to have another class because I can show you how other agents negotiate. And by the way, grace to agents where you don't see a transaction, stop judging our new realtors. Some, some of you are like, amen, Carrie. Stop judging the new realtors. Help them through the process. You don't have to give them, you don't have to tell them what's happening on your end of the deal. But if they make a mistake, say, hey, you missed line here, this line and this line, just fill that out and send it back. Coach them through the process because we need professional real estate agents. Now, and then when you see an agent that doesn't have transactions, it doesn't mean they're not selling. They could be on a team. I know of an agent not far from here that makes $300,000 a year on with in her pocketbook from being on a team. Some people don't care about the numbers. They just care about a paycheck. I'm one of those people. I just want to get paid. I don't have to be top producer. My goal, you guys all know, that have been following me for a while, my goal when I started in 2001, I worked for a builder in 97, but when I started selling real estate, I had little kids. My goal was to make do uh, close one deal a month and go to the swimming pool. Close one deal a month and go to a swimming pool. In Kenya, if you decided that you wanted to sell real estate, you could do one deal a quarter. It's kind of, it's that, what do we really want out of real estate? You don't have to do what everybody else does. So you need to know the agent on the other end of the deal. And that might mean going to networking events. I went to an event, had my mask. Um, it was at a, a golf course. They, we were hitting golf balls. I didn't, I was like, I was done. It was later. And I met agents that work in Plainfield. And one agent, I watched him work the room. He was like, I'm new. I'm on a team. I don't know anybody. I need to know the agents. So you got to know the other agents. And here's my story. Not far, far away, about 20 minutes from here, I had a buyer that was referred to me from um, Mount Prospect. Some of you guys are like, you guys are like, I don't know where that is. So referred to me from another agent. I took this um, buyer out. We looked all over. And we found the house that they loved. It was within walking distance to the prairie path. It was near the train. They loved it. I wrote the offer. I didn't write the offer. After I showed the house, the listing agent called me. She said, hey, Carrie, if, if, you are, if your buyers are thinking about writing an offer, write it today. I said, thank you. The agent knew me. I called my buyers, I said, look, I have leverage. I know a lot of real estate agents. The, aid, the listing agent called me and said, write the offer if you're serious because they got another offer already. This is what a lot of people don't know. So we wrote the offer. I had, and, and there's a whole DocuSign story to this. So we wrote the offer in DocuSign. They filled it all out. We submitted it. I am convinced. Now I did have some strong buyers, like 20% down but I am convinced that this agent may not have called me if she didn't know me. So you gotta get out of the house. You gotta go to these Zoom you know, wine events. Maybe we'll have another one with the agents in our office. Well, you know what? Next time I do a, a night out with Caremark, I'll invite all of you. That's what we'll do, that's what we'll do. Okay, Kenya, 
All right. So, um, and I said, get your clients fully approved. Literally, find a lender that will send your clients totally through underwriting. And here's what you, this is what some of you don't know. Seriously. Your clients have all these documents. And let's say that this is all the documents. And your client is not organized because I bet some of you aren't organized. If you're a real estate agent or a buyer or a seller on this call and you don't know where your W-2s are, your 1040s, your um, pay stubs, your bank statements, if you don't know where they all are, I need you to open up a box account, BOX online or Dropbox, Google Drive, make sure it's secure. And I need you to put your documents in there so you are always prepared. Every single month, I download my bank statements for the company so the accountant has access to it. So when you go to buy, you can have, call it your buyer folder, whatever you want to call it, you can send that Dropbox over to the lender because this is what happens when you can't find your papers. You take this one paper, that's your W-2, and you email it to the lender. The lender gets it, they put it in your file. Then what that lender does is they put it in a new pile and that pile gets put over there. And then the lender starts working on another, I should say the processor starts working on another file. Then you send in a new paper. This paper is sitting over here. And then when the lender, when the processor gets to this set of paperwork, they eventually put it in your folder. And if you keep piecemealing it to them, you're, it's taken, that processor can't work. So when you work with, and this is a, a lot of times agents don't know this because we expect the lender to tell the buyer, but a lot of times lenders, some are really top producers and they send a list. And I know all of you, realtors don't read, buyers don't read, sellers don't read. We just move on. We need realtors to read because we need you to explain this information to your clients. So please, if you're not organized, get organized. Tell your clients to get all of their paperwork together. Right, Chicago lending, Arlene Price is on here. She is a loan officer in Illinois. And she actually, if the truth be told, Arlene is the one that taught me that back in 2001. This is why you go when a lender invites you to an event or if a lender is willing to meet you for coffee, you need to go meet. I would, um, whenever Arlene and I would do home buyer workshops together, when she would teach the buyers, I was over there like this. Oh, I didn't know that. So I wanted to know almost as much as she did, didn't want her job, but when I talk to my clients, if, if I send a referral to Arlene, I am now working on her behalf and I get it. I have had agents say, Carrie, you got to move on to the next deal. You do. But when you work with new buyers, first time home buyers or first generational buyers, if you don't know the story, if you are someone that moves here from another country, you are more likely to buy a home in the state of Illinois than someone that has lived here all their life. Facts. I did the research. So anyway, so yes, get fully approved. And by the way, I said it number six, don't show houses without approval. There you go. All right, so let me, um, I don't know how many I'm, I'm gonna get to because I need to be off in about 10 minutes. So multiple offers, sight unseen, tell your clients not to talk, um, and first doesn't mean yours. So I wanna start with multiple offers because a lot of us are seeing those. So um, if you call me and say, Carrie, I have a multiple offer. Should I tell all of the agents highest and best? Here's my first question to you. Who owns the house, you, you or someone else? 
who owns the house? You or someone else? If you say you're the realtor and you own it, do whatever you want. Go for it, highest and best. If you don't own the property and you have a listing agreement with the seller, the seller, you have to give seller direction. Now you can coach your seller through the entire process, but you must get seller direction. It is not your house. So here's what I want everyone to always think about. Who's the client? Who has the right to make a decision? Because if you're making decisions on behalf of your clients without a power of attorney, and don't do that by the way, and I say don't do that, talk to an attorney, talk to your clients. If you're making decisions on behalf of your clients, you're acting on their behalf, and if you make a mistake, you're liable, and the seller is going to tell on you. So you call the seller and you say, we've got multiple offers. I've got four written offers, one verbal. Then you take those four written offers, you send, let's go with old school, this is, this is how I think it should be done, but let's just, I'll give you two scenarios. You print out the four contracts and I'm printing because this is how I work, right? I have a verbal. I take out a sheet of paper or an Excel spreadsheet. I write four columns. And if I have the fifth, they just said they were going to offer 200000 whatever. I write down, I look at my contract and I write down the important sections of our contract. So that would be price. Are they asking for closing cost credits? When can they close? What type of loan is it? What are the tax prorations? Do they have something to sell? Do they have something they have to close to buy the house? Now that's just the basics. Like I gave you just the basics. And then where I said loan, I would just put in cash. I compare all four, then the seller and I talk via Zoom, I share my screen. Okay, let's have a conversation. Here's what we can do. We have a few options. You can ask for highest and best. You could pick the best offer. Highest and best doesn't always work because highest offer might not be the best offer. So you look at all of the offers and let's say you have a conventional loan and they wanna close in 45 days. Pre-qualification, did you get that? Pre-qualification. That means all their stuff isn't in. They are writing an offer for 97% of ask. I mean, not 97% of ask, the loan, we're gonna say that they're writing an offer for 195, the, the list price was 200,000, and they came in 195, and then the loan is for 3% down. Okay, they're putting 3% down, no closing cost credit. Then you have an FHA, right? Or let's say the next three are FHA. One FHA is full price asking for 5,000 closing costs, right? Close in 45 days. The next FHA loan is 205 asking for 5,000 in closing cost credit. So now we know we're at 200,000, what the seller wants, they came over and they wanna close in 45 days. And they turned in all their paperwork pre-approval. But then the fourth one is written at 200,000. They're asking for 6,000 in closing cost credit. And so now we're at 194. But this FHA loan can close in 25 days because the agent had this client fully underwritten. All this buyer needs is a house, an appraisal, the FHA checklist, and they need to do their inspection and they can close in 20 or 25 days. When you th and then we have this, this verbal, right? We explain all this to the seller and we say, now we can go back and we can say highest and best. 
Now here's where my number, lost it, my number three comes in, know the comps. As the buyer's agent and the seller's agent, you know this house is not appraising for more than 200,000. So if you go over this amount, even with closing cost credit, because you looked at the market and you created a custom report that showed that about 90% of offers or properties that close in this marketplace close with closing cost credit. So you know that this is typical. You already told the seller this when you listed the house. So now you say, we can go back and ask for highest and best, but highest is not gonna, may not work for us because we really can't go over 200,000. But we've got this, this proper, this, this deal here at 194, they're asking for 200,000, 6,000 closing cost credit and we can get this deal done. And you call the loan officer who verify, oh yeah, this is a conditional approval. And if you wanna to talk to any other agents that I work with, I can get this deal done. Oh, and the buyer has sufficient funds in the bank. That's all you, we're good, right? All the money's in the bank. Does the buyer need 6,000 in closing cost credit? If the lender says, if the lender pauses, now you know, maybe you can negotiate that. But if the lender says, it would really be good if they get that 6,000, you could end up at a 194 deal. But if the lender pauses, you could negotiate because you know they're gonna get a tax credit. For those of you that don't live in Illinois, our taxes are up there. The seller's gonna have to give a tax credit for $6,000. So the buyer, if, so the question is, does the buyer need all of those closing cost credits? So now, instead of going and asking for highest and best, you can coach your seller and say, we, instead of going back and negotiating with all of these offers, let's talk about, you told me that you need to move to Texas to take care of your cousin, right? or you're ready, you got a new job and you need to move. Now we can go ask for highest and best and possibly lose two people that are terrified of highest and best, or they just can't go higher. Or we can negotiate with the best offer and get it under contract and then tell everyone else their backup offers. A lot of times as agents, we think highest and best is the way to go. It's not always the way to go. If you are an Illinois Realtor, you need to go to IllinoisRealtor.org and watch uh, Betsy Urbance's legal update from last week. There's a replay. It's called the legal update. She talked about all of this. I've been teaching this for years. And as the seller, so, and the other thing when we talk about knowing the comps, the buyer's agent should know exactly what the listing agent knows. So before you write an offer, if you think you should go over and above, will the property appraise? Because if they negotiate at 205, you need to be able to say to the listing agent, my buyer's willing to go up to 205, we still want the 6,000 in closing cost credit, but if the property doesn't appraise, my buyer can still close in 25 days, is your seller willing to sell it at the appraised value? That's how you win deals in negotiating. So, really quickly, yeah, maybe this will be the next conversation, how to look at comps. Sight unseen, um, there are times when we write offers sight unseen, but I would, if I'm gonna um, go write an offer sight unseen, I, I, you really need to have your pre-approval. And in our state, we have a five day window, um, attorney review and inspection. I would write the offer and then I would go see the house the next day and then I would schedule my, I would schedule my inspection and I would go see the property. So I write the offer today, it gets accepted today, I'd go see the property tomorrow and I'd schedule my inspection for Saturday. Or, or Sunday, because you need to show the seller that
that you earnestly want the house or the buyer does. Um, and when I say tell your clients not to talk, a lot of you don't know the rules or the law. There's a, a federal law that says that you can't record someone in your house when we're, when we're looking at property. So if your sellers have cameras up, well, first of all, before we go into any house or when I coach my buyers, I tell them, when you get to the property, we're going to go through the property. You're never going to react. If you absolutely love it, we're going to talk when we get back to the car, period. Then the other thing you're going to do is if they're having an open house or, you're, or the seller is allowing everyone to come through kind of at the same time. We have rules in Illinois, four people at a time. If someone else is outside and you're like, oh my gosh, I love this house. I'm stressed out. You can't react because you're going to cause someone else to want to go write an offer right now. So you can't. Betsy Urbance is um, U-R-B-A-N-C-E. Sorry about the braces. But if you just go to Illinois Realtor, there's a replay. And I don't know, this is, um, she talks about negotiating. It might pertain to any state. It's, it's just, she talks about what we just said. Um, so yeah, so tell your clients if there's another Realtor around, if the seller is in the house because the seller does not want to leave, tell your clients, we need to have a private coaching call about what I really want to say. Tell your clients not to say any, to, to react and let them think you like the house. Tell your clients, don't react. And then if you DM me, no, I can't put it. I can't even put that, what I want to say in writing. Oh Lord, now this is recorded. Let me say this, tell your clients not to talk. Tell your clients not to talk when the seller's there or, or show so much interest that the seller has leverage. Because we used to actually negotiate face-to-face. -face. We used to actually negotiate face-to-face. -face. All right, I see some of my agents are texting me, so I'm sharing the video with them. Um, and then here's the last one, and then I'm going to end. A variable commission. Now, I do know that this could be different in every state, so I'm going to talk Illinois. So in Illinois, on the multiple listing sheet, there's a section called special, special compensation information. And the V means variable. The S means short sale. So a variable commission works like this. And for antitrust reasons, I am going to um, tell you, you can list your properties at whatever, whatever commission splits you want or whatever your companies have suggested. suggested. But I'm going to use numbers to make a point. So if I'm the listing agent and I tell the seller that if I bring in the buyer, I'll drop the commission. So let's say, now for the sake of training, you guys can list for, for education, you can list at whatever you want. So let's just say that I'm listing the property at 6%. But if I bring in the buyer, I'll, I'll, I'll cut my commission by 2%. That's called a variable commission. So... In the multiple listing service, we have to disclose that there's a variable. If you're in Illinois, I need you to go to the bottom, write, and read. Because agents don't even have a clue what this means. So a variable commission, if you see a variable, if you write an offer on this property, and the, um, whether the agent has disclosed multiple offers or not, when you see that V, you should always ask the agent, Am I in a multiple offer situation? Because now what the seller needs to know is you have to disclose. Now you must disclose. So if there's a variable, I need to say, and I'm, now I'm going to talk to you as the buyer. Um, and I'll use Derenika because she's on here. Derenika, I called Derenika. Hey, Derenika, I see you have a variable. 
we'll pretend Darenika owns Darenika Real Estate. Darenika says, yes, there's a variable because that's what she's going to do as the listing agent. And I'm going to say, well, Darenika, what's the full commission? And Darenika is going to say, Carrie, you're too funny. You know I'm not telling you that. But my goal as the buyer's agent is to try to figure it out. So I'm telling you as the listing agent, don't disclose that. But as the buyer's agent, I'm telling you what I'm asking. Then I say, oh, I thought I could catch you. Then I say, well, what's the actual variable? She must tell me it's 2%. Because if she doesn't tell me it's 2%, I don't know how to negotiate for my buyer. So now I need to go to my buyer and say, remember that exclusive agency agreement I wrote? We've got a variable commission. That means if, oh, oh no, let me go, let me step back. Then I say to, and I really got to jump off. Then I say to the listing agent, do you have any offers or does anyone at your company have any offers on the table? If she says no, the variable doesn't apply. But if she says I have an offer or someone else does, the variable could apply. So you must know that. So really quickly, thank you, thank you everyone for joining me. If you're in Iowa, I'm jumping on the, um, the state conference to do a panel on diversity. Join me there. Um, otherwise, Feel free, watch the replay. If you have questions, send them to my DM. I did have a question about the book. You can get the book on Amazon. Thank you so much. It is the New Real Estate Agents Journal. And um, I have seven sections. What is your why? Be reflective, etc. So I use this journal whenever I talk to you. And I want you to use the journal to write down when you learn from me or any other real estate instructor. So everyone have a great weekend. Keep watching. I'll see if I can do another coaching call with all of you or maybe a night out, a night out with Carrie. So thank you so much. Um, again, if you're listening to the podcast um, or if you're not following me on the podcast, go to, I, I'm just Smart Girl Media or Carrie Joe Little.